0: Welcome to The Last Standy, a board game podcast coming to you from four exciting countries across Europe. I'm joined here today by Alexis.
1: Hi, that's me.
0: Alessio. Hi everyone. Audrey.
2: Hey hey.
0: And I'm your host, Fenn we're going to be talking about a range of different topics from across the hobby and we'll start today as we always do with the standee catch-up so what's everyone been up to eh, since we last recorded
2: uh well here i'm doing pretty okay uh i've been playing uh with alexis our campaign of uh, the king's dilemma which is soon going to end i think we have two or three kings maybe uh, to play yet Uh, so I'm very looking forward to the ending because it's getting at a point where it's dragging a bit honestly we like the mechanics but it's getting long Uh, last Sunday I played with my parents on tabletop simulator because we all got it and we played the crew so I explained them the game and we played we had a few uh, let's say um, computer science issues, uh, which were actually just key bindings that my mom had issues uh, setting up properly. So we lost a bit of time there. But I mean, that's parents. And uh, they're coming to visit me at the end of May and I got them a Codex Naturalis, which I think they will like because it's small, it's a simple game and we might play together when they come. So I'm really looking forward to it.
3: And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I I got a lot of packages which were stuck, I guess, in the Suits Canal, but uh, I got uh, Mariposas from Elizabeth Hargrave, and I'm eager to have a try at it, and I got Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, the the new edition. I tried uh, Thames Murder and a couple of folders, and uh, I'm proud to say that I'm uh, going the wrong deduction all the time i completely messed up the first two cases so i am off to a good start
0: congratulations you've sex- successfully emulated the london police in all of the sherlock holmes novels.
3: yeah i am extremely competent yeah.
0: so <laughs> isn't holmes such like such a pompous smug git at the end of consulting detective
3: uh, yeah, I, I, was linked, I was linked to the Pete Holmes uh, YouTube series. Uh, you, you have to, to watch them. They are super cool and fun. <laughs> all, all Holmes deductions are pompous and they can be horribly wrong. So it, it's, a, it's a cool watch. Pete Holmes on YouTube.
1: <laughs> on my end, uh, I mostly played King's Dilemma. As Audrey pointed out, uh, a lot of fun, but I do feel like it's dragging on a little bit. Uh, mainly because there's not a lot of interaction between your family's given goal and the game themselves. Uh, from one game to the other, there's not a lot of um, uh, long-term things happening. Uh, it feels kind of um, throwaway sometimes. Once you have accomplished the ones that your the goals that you're given uh, to get your prestige point, you can mostly ride out the rest of the game. And I think that some family-dependent dilemma might have made it more involving. Uh, either way, we, we ought to have it finished by uh, next episode, so um, looking forward to that. Outside of that, uh, nothing super interesting. My roommate's been very excited about the new expansion for the Binding of Isaac card game. Uh, that will hit pre-order soon. Um, what about you, Fenn?
0: Hang on, which, hang on, which uh, game was that? Uh,
1: the banning of Isaac, uh, card game.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Repentance landed recently. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. I I've seen that played a bit. It's a bit take y isn't it?
1: Yeah. It makes me think of a better version of Munchkin. Uh, a lot of effects have strong and wild effects, but because of the games are short, the randomness mm. is a, of a crazy broken combo. is just fun rather than frustrating.
0: Oh, well if you can have a game like that you do want it to be short it's fine for stuff to be silly and broken and somebody just runs away with it if you're not there for more than you know 20 30 minutes or so
1: yeah it's between um 10 and 20 minutes being mostly fun and short um and about making strategy on the fly uh it's pretty good
0: yeah yeah sounds well i've I watched people play it um and i i really enjoyed Mind of isaac i think it still remains the best rogue lite um of its style out there you know the action. Uh, um dead
3: cells <clears throat> hmm? dead cells dead cells yeah
0: D- dead cells is is nah, dead cells isn't as good as isaac dead cells is very enjoyable um uh but i would i put it maybe second or third
3: oh, okay okay i back to the fur.
0: I mean it kind of is. I think it's definitely within the genre, but all I know is I played it for a while and have just shunted it off into the I'm not playing list for a long time. Whereas Isaac continues to be something I pop on and play every month or so or more at the moment,
1: especially when each expansion's at
3: 200 hours of content. If we have to sort for by just quality, I, I'd say that uh, Hades it's probably the best.
0: I'd get Hades second place.
3: Yeah, the, the problem is that the, the game eventually will exhaust its uh, content because mm. it's a single story, but but it is good because they knew where to stop, so well, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, Hades
0: has a really well-defined, well-done game loop, and it's pretty fantastic at that but um uh it's just uh, well, well you know for me it'll always be binding of isaac it's like the one that's just had the biggest staying power and is iterated and innovated on itself so many times the new content has alternate versions of every single character in the game and they introduce two new characters so it's like pretty crazy and some of those new characters are very like, trying to get your head around how they play is um, bizarre. They've t- totally flipped mechanics on their head. They added the whole true ending. They've given the series an actual f- definitive finish now um, with the f- close on the story. A really nice close. I wasn't expecting it to be as well done and as touching as it was. So anyway, this isn't a video games podcast, so we should probably, uh, pro- probably get along. Yes, just a chit-chat. Yep. Uh we had um we had some exciting fun with games workshop didn't we?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was keeping this for la- for last. Uh actually what happened last week? <laughs> uh... I mean, uh, you probably, you all probably know about cursed city, Warhammer Quest, the new edition in the Age of Sigmar. But I recap for uh, for for anyone who wasn't listening or checking the news or checking board game communities. But what happened in these few weeks is that uh, a new Warhammer Quest uh, was ba- was bound to be out. And it went to pre-order. It's warmer Quest: Cursed City, a new edition set with uh, undead uh, villains and set in the in the realm of Shish, Sh- Sh- Sh. <laughs> Sh- and in the city of Ulf, of Ulfenkar, anyway. And uh, basically, uh, this game went on pre-order at eleven of Saturday, uh, I guess, three of three of April,
0: third of April, yes.
3: And, uh, and it went uh, uh, sold out in less than an hour. I think that a few copies in uh, very localized languages like uh, Italian or something like that uh, survived for two hours, but nothing more than that. And it went completely sold out. The next week when, when it should have gone on a full order, it actually wasn't sold. It wasn't delivered to to the to the stores. We which only got the pre-orders. They ordered in advance in uh, in a in a lessened number than they ordered, and the 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 game is not available anymore. Is officially out of production because Games Workshop put out a tweet saying that if you want Cursed City, you have to go to third-party stores and get it because they won't sell it anymore. So yeah. what happened? Is, is it Games Workshop? Games Workshop advises you to go to a third-party store. What is happening?
0: No, nobody nobody knows. Like It's bizarre that it would uh land on you know like for me i was waiting for it to arrive at my local store and i had it like on reserve and they just went oh um, sorry it's uh we're not even getting any copies in and i was like oh okay all right fair enough but yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. They, they, like their pre-order thing had this like fancy key to Ulthuan that everyone who was pre-ordering was getting, and that was meant to be the bonus for for pre-ordering. Um, yeah, just the, the the vapor game, like instant vaporware. This is a new level of limited edition.
3: Yeah, and that that is extremely strange because I actually received my copy. And uh, I opened the rulebook. In the first page of the rulebook uh, it is written, uh, now uh, I won't uh, quote exact English because I have the Italian edition, but uh, it says this is the first adventure in the city of wolfenkern of, of many others. Like it was expecting to be expanded. So uh, I, I checked on Reddit communities these days, and, uh, and they, they all said, no, it's a uh, screw up, it was intended to be a limited edition. For sure, it doesn't sound like that. Uh, and no. of course, no. inside the box, there is also an errata for assembling the Dwarf like uh, it was ready for, I think, a couple of weeks and they just in the final stages uh, understood that they needed to add an errata. So it doesn't look like something that didn't didn't need support or extended support or something like that.
0: This is probably one of those things that, like years down the line, some ex-member staff will finally just be like, well, I don't care anymore, I can tell you what happened. Um, yeah, everyone yeah. yeah, would be then... like, "What? Why?"
2: There, there might there might be a combination of Brexit, of the COVID pandemic that played a part there, but at least the community should know things and not wait more than a week to know things.
3: Oh, this this is fun because uh, this this was one one of the first theories that were crafted, but actually, uh, if you go on the on on the English. Uh, uh, for example, why is it gone in the US website where there's no VAT or Brexit or something like that? And also, you can order everything else from the Games Workshop web store, from Europe and from anywhere else, and you get the the banner at the top of the page when, say, we got VAT covered for you, you don't worry about taxes, we will pay for you. So, uh, it is just a thing that... Uh, uh, that uh, that is, involves Karst City, and this is this is very strange. Uh, of course, uh, it is not helping the fact that the game actually got two bad reviews, one from uh, Drive-Thru Reviews and one uh, which is actually uh, very, very recent at the moment of recording this podcast, from Always Bored, Never Bored. But uh, uh, I, I mean economically it it has no se- it makes no sense because it went uh, sold out in less than an hour
1: i don't know the exact story here but um, could this be a copyright conflict where the they own the ip but maybe not some of the text material or some of the artwork or something
2: in in the credits, uh, apparently I don't have I I didn't buy it, so uh, that's from Helsa. But I think that uh, I saw someone say that in the credits they credit the Warhammer team and they don't credit individual people. So fight might be something.
3: Yeah, exactly. That could be uh, a case. And uh, another thing is that uh, I was checking the entire backstory and everything and actually they only referenced uh, their IP and from Age of Sigma, so it's entirely proprietary uh, as ma- uh, for as far as I can tell. And uh, the other cool thing is that uh, actually uh, you could see that there is some, something similar, for example, to Darkest Dungeon in the way uh, you possibly go on expedition and prepare for the final assault, and etc. Ex- etc. Et but the fact is that this kind of mechanics cannot be copyrighted, so uh, this is uh, this is possible, but it's still weak.
0: I don't know. I think ultimately we just kind of have to shrug and be like, well, if you really want the game, pay through the nose on the secondary market. If you couldn't manage to get there, otherwise, Blackstone Fortress is still really good.
3: Yeah, and also Blackstone Fortress, which is the earlier game with a similar with a similar construction and build and the way of campaigning, it's still there and it it gets a reprints over reprints. So of course uh, I I have a, a distinct opinion, but I will have to play it. I, I have the distinct opinion that Blackstone Fortress is the superior one still. <laughs> But, uh, but again, it's still printing money because there's a lot of people who want this game.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's always been a demand for Warhammer Quest ever since it first came out and went out of print. And then there was a in demand and interest and they've kept trying to iterate on the original 1995 game. They've never really come close. Blackstone Fortress is the closest that they've, they've got. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, uh, who knows? It's, it's a complete mystery. But uh, how about we move on to a, another uh, product which is going to be available? And that would be It's a Wonderful Kingdom.
2: Yeah, it's a wonderful kingdom from La Boîte de Jeux, and I can say it without any accent, if that isn't wonderful. Uh, the, ki- the Kickstarter is currently going on. Uh, I put my pledge in uh, after two or three days, if I remember correctly. Uh, it's I like these kinds of Kickstarters from La Boîte de Jeux because you have everything from the start. You know there won't be surprise add-ons, you know, uh, you, you know that what you get at the start is what you will pay at the end. And it just gets slightly better. You don't have uh, huge stretch goals. You don't have huge stuff. uh, Like tons of miniatures added. It's one card here. Two two or three cards here. For a module. Etc. I think it's very sleek the way they they do it. And they're... ace their packaging all the time. You have two boxes, you can get the standard box which will be the retail box and you can get the special box with all the little uh, boxes inside to um, to organize the, the game and everything and I think the, the it's really one of the major points and if you are French like me, if you are living in France like me you can order your copy to be delivered at your local game store which doesn't cost you anything in shipping. So, I, I mean, yeah, I'm boasting a bit there, but uh, I really like how they do things, and it, it's very simple. The stretch goals are according to number of backers, which is more convenient to do when you just have two pledging tiers.
3: This mechanic is completely brought over in uh, It's a Wonderful Kingdom, so it's a, a thing, it's a Kickstarter uh, I will keep an eye on. Of course, I'm spending all my money this year, so uh, actually I, I have to be considerate. But uh, you know, this is the last time, right, Audrey?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not pledging any other game this year. I said Sankokushin doesn't count because then I would be pledging just for minis, not for the game, so it doesn't count. I can do it. Uh, that's not bad face. <laughs> But I, I mean, uh, yeah, it's a wonderful world. If you just want to get the, the basic version, you, you it's thirty euros. For the deluxe version, it's fifty euros. So I, I mean, it's a budget-friendly game.
3: Yeah, that's a steal. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will see ne- ne- next episode what will be your last game this year.
2: No, not yet.
3: <laughs> There's always room for one more last game
0: of the year.
2: Yeah, I, I will try not to just to win the bet for my bad faith.
3: No, of course not. Yes. Yeah, your 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 last game will be when your credit card will get rejected.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, um, I, I, I myself, I, I think the It's a Wonderful XXXX series, I wanted to say more X's then because I didn't want to say it with three X's, Um, uh, is something that I think looked quite interesting, but I just know I'm never going to get to play it. So I'm kind of... Like just just put my fingers in my ears and being like no 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 la 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 la. I've already you, got... Even
2: the solo mod? Oh
0: uh, yeah, I've got so many games to play solo as well. You know, like okay. like a lot of solo games. Yeah. Although I can tell you one thing, I'm not playing Oath solo again because the AI in that is not very
3: good you you shouldn't Ac- actually i i have only good things to say about auth but uh, it's only for four player i i i am conv- i am getting convinced that that game will play good extremely good only on four player count. Uh, I-, I played in 3 and it's interesting but people have to work to make it interesting i played it in 5 it's a bit too messy for me but it still runs in 6 i, I have no idea Oh, we
0: we've played four, five, and six exclusively, and it's been like, uh, it's been the players that have made the game. Uh, The the game itself, I I, we're not going to get into Oath in details right now, but uh, we'll probably talk about in the future. I want to give it more time. Um, I think bizarrely, considering who it comes from, the trouble is the world feels empty and hollowed out, and like just lacking in any kind of any character really. Which is incredible to think to say that with, because we've got Kyle Ferrin's fantastic art and Cole, like, Cole, the 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 world that Cole created for Root is just incredible, like the amount of background and everything, just you can draw from it just from how everything plays. So I need more time to play with it. The physical copy is definitely a better experience than the tabletop simulator one, but when I did my um. My like followed through the process of like setting the game up for the next year or next play session. I was like, Is that it? Really? I can see how this is going to iterate going ahead, and it's really gonna with the right group of people, it's gonna sing, but for the average person, I don't think it's gonna be particularly great.
3: Uh, Of course, uh, with the average person, probably Root would be a better hit, and uh, I wouldn't recommend Root to the average person anyway. Well, uh, we should probably now get on to our actual
0: topics. We're going to be uh, on theme today. We've got, uh, we've got a monster kick theme going on, as in just about every single one of these games has gribbly creatures and was on Kickstarter. Uh, we're starting with one that just finished recently, um, and that is from Steamforge Games Monster Hunter World. Not the video game, um, which I've enjoyed a great deal, but the board game. Um, which is uh, another entry to the Complex AI Boss Battling series. And Alexis, take it away.
1: Yeah, just as um, Fenn said, I'm extremely happy that one of my favorite games is finally going to be adapted into a board game. Um, Monster Hunter, made by the people at uh, Steamforge game. It's the team behind Dark Souls, Resident Evil, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, Every game that they make, Seem to be uh, every game that they made, seem to have learned from the previous one, uh, um, getting better every time and responding to um, player feedback. So I'm really excited about the non Hunt Bolt game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Dark Souls. People said um, my brother has Dark Souls, and he was very much like it's kind of not great up until you fight the bosses, and then it's really good. Um, and then they they listen to feedback. the The expansions arrived as well, and um, it's become a better a better game overall.
1: So This is a cooperative complex AI battler in which you play as a hunter wielding one of the 14 different weapons in the game and as you hunt you first have a choose your own adventure that serves as a tracking quest and gives you some extra material uh, and maybe influence the fights that will come as well as allow you to uh, define the behavior of the monster a little bit later. And then you take on the large monster in a showdown um, And each monster will have its very own personality and a different way to fight, and sometimes different mechanics. Um, And straight up, I have to say this is a perfect fit for monster hunter. An AI battler with the monster at the center of the game, their quirks and attitude being what dictate the pace of the fight. It's supposed to be all about positioning and knowledge of the monster, so they picked a perfect style of board game for that. But uh, it's no surprise given that Monster Hunter is what inspired Complex AI Battler in the first place. So the circle is finally complete now. Now, before we get onto the good part, uh, mainly the gameplay, I need to rant for just a second. Um, I'm really disappointed that um, they picked Monster Hunter World for this game. I understand that uh, it was the best selling game at the time but I feel like with an entire franchise, it's kind of unfortunate that they only picked the most recent and less reminiscent of the whole game. Um, for example, a lot of the monster that they have in the game, I don't really care about having a miniature of them. Um, they ignored fan favorites that will either be part of the Iceborn expansion um, or that were part of the franchise beforehand. And those I would have loved to have as a miniature or play with them on the board, but I don't have as much attachment for the monster that were just briefly introduced in World. Um, I feel it's limiting uh, to pick the most restrictive, uh, restrictive game, especially that uh, Monster Hunter World also had the least interesting design in, ter- in terms of our weapons and armor. Um, a lot of them being extremely simplistic, especially if you compare them to the older design. And I feel that it's kind of a shame that the base miniatures that we have for the board games are often going to be those least interesting ones, even though they could have picked um, the ones that are more iconic and associated with the game. Uh, For example, the Rathalos armor or the Diablos armor, for example. It's kind of a shame to see just the least interesting weapons to have been picked up, uh, especially since they clearly had some material to choose from. But that's
0: that's my my biggest problem with the game.
1: Either way, visual aside, the game has some great gameplay to itself.
0: Well, before you get into that, I do I do want to just say as a counterpoint, um, like Monster Hunter World, the the, the game. Is, that's the first Capcom game to break 15 million unit sales worldwide. It's something like, last I checked, maybe like nearly 17 million copies of the game are sold. So I, I get the, yeah. They, they need to get past that first barrier of this is like, hey, video game players, check out this board game. And a lot of like PC players, all they know is Monster Underworld, you know? So... But I, I, I tell you one thing right, that I do not like is the Cooler Yaku and Teostra being Kickstarter it, exclusives. Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, Gameplay-wise, uh, there's a lot of good things, though. The gameplay can be played either as a mini-campaign with each monster that you slay allow you to create a craft better gear until you fight a buffed-up version of one of the monster uh or a single shot fight with recommended gear for each monster level which i find extremely
0: clever it is this is really clever and smart because they've offered up hey single session here you go want to fight you know you got your mates and like hey you, you you know monster hunter we play you want to come around and like fight a rathalos or fight an anjath like you remember the first time you fought one of those in monster hunter world Ooh. um but also the campaign length is looking manageable and it's looking like it's going to sit in this sweet spot between townsfolk tussle that can usually be like maybe one or two sessions and the other stuff which is like hey you're here for several months maybe longer and i i think that is really sweet the space of length that they've nailed here is this is a gap that um i've actually been talking with um I, with, with uh, Matt at Geektopia games about this is the the length of campaign we should aim for, you know, when we do our stuff.
1: Uh, if you own multiple of the expansion that they are uh, offering in the Kickstarter, you can combine them with specific rules that make the campaign a little bit longer. Um, yeah there, there's a lot to highlight about the game, but one system that I think is really interesting would be their weapon system with each weapon coming with a different damage deck. And so when you play an action card, it will instruct you to draw a certain number of uh, damage cards. And that damage deck will be uh, you know, more geared towards uh, higher damage for some of the weapons, for example. Um, so you have a board in which you're going to line up your uh, attacks and then activate them to do a specific amount of damage, and th- that mirrors the system of combo that you have in the in the base game. And that's an interesting way to do it. Uh, I'm going to do a very bad job at explaining it orally, uh, but I would um, instruct anybody to, to, to look at the kickstarter and look at how they're playing it that way. Um, one thing, one other thing that I think is really interesting is that the monster's uh, attack will determine how many cards uh, the players can play in a row and how many players can act after the monster attack. So, some uh, monster attacks will not let a big opening, other will allow players to put down uh, their entire hand and really wail onto the monster. And like, Finding the pacing of the monster and understanding which attack are going to be more open is really important. Um yeah, when it's the player's turn, they need to keep an eye on their stamina to know how many cards they can put down and to try and like clear their hand from the cards they already played. Um it's it all looks really interesting and fun to play with, and I cannot wait to get my hands on this.
0: I, I, lo- I love. Yeah, sorry. I, I there's so much more. I love the elemental damage bit as well, uh, which um, I watched the uh, Nogagante fight um, that they did. They only managed to do three rounds against it, but like I was already impressed with the mechanics in that they showcased off the elemental damage, which is it's it's basically just a, uh, a token that builds up, and when it reaches a certain threshold, they get you get to deal extra damage. But um, that's a great way of representing it without making it too powerful. One of the things I always noticed in these games is it's really hard to do like weaknesses because you're dealing with such small numbers that double damage or plus one or plus two damage is a lot and they kinda got around through that, which I love. The the whole customization of the deck thing, Um, that's in Horizon Zero Dawn for the hunters. It's different there, but it is one of the most fun things about Horizon Zero Dawn is getting new cards into your hunter deck and changing the way that you do your combos and, and bits and pieces, and this is... Yeah, uh, they also, um, they, they, they've they given all the bases a little cross on them. So depending on where you attack, the physiology card will tell you what locations you can pick to attack. So you can actually aim to try and break the tail or break the claws or the wings or the head. Uh, and Nergigante no has an additional uh, mechanic where, uh, just like when you fight it, it, gains, um, spikes, it spikes harden. And so you're looking to also try and break those spikes off a location to stop it dive bombing, um, which is really... Like, it was great to see that mechanic brought from the fight and translated so cleanly. Um, I do think while we're briefly talking about the AI, we have to mention the best thing that they've done for AI cards, which is the backs of the AI cards. Brilliant. Absolute genius. Okay, so the backs of the AI cards have three pieces of information on them. One of them is obvious. It's the symbol for the, the creature, but the other two are telling you what body part it's going to attack with and what its target is so you don't get to know exactly what it's going to do but you get a clue and you know what it's going for yeah so all of a sudden there's positioning becomes strategic because you can maneuver to try and figure out who it's going to attack you even get some clues like if you see the the, the torso for the great Jagras, you know it's probably some kind of belly attack. Whereas if it's the head, you know it's probably a bite. And that I like that. It's like it's it's focused in the fuzziness of the random deck a bit further to allow people to be strategic and make educated guesses.
2: I would probably suck at that game just as much as I suck at the video game due to that. <laughs>
0: Uh, um, I think I think one of the advantages here is you've got a bit more time to play slower whereas when you play the video game if you can't internalize and react to the signal parts of the attacks it can be a bit uh, frustrating
2: It's fair that it's easier for my uh, playmates to help me on a board game than on a video game
1: <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, yeah that's uh, Monster Hunter oh. uh, The... Uh, pledge manager opens in a month and you can jump in uh, back into the game in uh well i guess when this episode mm-hmm. comes out it will probably be three weeks something like that uh, keep an eye on it if you are interested if
0: you like the game uh, and yeah that's that's pretty much it yep yeah, i'm just gonna jump in and say if you do decide to pledge responsibly as always um, but either go for the pledge that gives you access to all the kickstarter exclusives that's cheap i think it's the core pledge or the all-in don't touch the entry pledge because there's no point you pledging just to get the core base game which will have four monsters plus an alternative for the rathalos um yeah so just um either it's like 102 pounds or it's 211 pounds you know your equivalent afterwards uh so just be sensible with that, but um, those are the two I'd recommend. Uh, and it's worth getting, you know, if if you've found a fan of monster hunter and you just want the models.
2: Yeah, I know a few friends which were like oh, the, "Oh, I see all these monsters that I love and I had a look on the miniatures as well because uh, around the board gaming uh, uh, crowd there are many people that are often intimidated uh, when they buy a board game with miniatures and they're like Oh, I want to try painting but I'm not sure what I can do, etc. If it will look nice, etc. And based on the renders I think that the minis are majorly textured which is something very nice for beginners which would be able to use uh, zenithal priming even with spray cans contrast paints dry brushing to a reasonable effect and so i think that uh, people that might hesitate to get this due to oh the minis are too big or something like that can get away with it so i think that's something really friendly of course masters in painting will uh will uh, paint jobs that We'll make our jaws drop, but even for someone that's uh, just a hobbyist, it's completely uh, easy to do. And for someone that's a beginner, there are lots of techniques to be used to get something nice on the table.
0: Yep, and indeed, and going from one setting where huge giant screams dominate the, uh, the landscape to one where nobody can hear you scream, it's time to talk about Awaken Realms' nemesis.
3: Uh, yeah, exactly. This is part of my path of repentance towards uh, Awaken Realms, so I have to be extremely <laughs> careful about what I say. <laughs> ok, uh, so. Uh, i will begin with this nemesis is uh, listed as a 2018 games but it's actually uh, it actually begins sh- began shipping in uh, uh, 2017 so uh, this is uh, a game from awaken realms designed by adam Kwapinski. is isn't that a fun name
0: his surname sorry i really love his surname it's it's t- such good flow Kopinski. Anyway, carry on.
3: I I am trying to to be serious here. So uh, <laughs> okay, uh, it got uh, it got nominated a lot across across these years because it got it got a lot of uh, nominations uh, and it had a couple of issues. Uh, I hope that this uh, kind of review will do kind of justice. I, I tried to summarize and organize content, so uh, <laughs> we'll have a talk and we'll see how it goes. Basically, you are the crew of the titular uh, Nemesis spaceship and you were awakened in the cryo chambers of the, of the ship by the ship AI because uh, some alien life forms uh, which the AI calls intruders, because of course IP is a thing, uh, have breached the ship. So you have to to deal with the intruders, the possible damage they did, and possibly make it back safely to Earth. And this is basically the the, the setting of the game. Now, what is extremely cool in this game is uh, that This game is a semi-cooperative one, uh, very well thought in this uh, this aspect, because uh, every player gets uh, two objectives when when they get awakened. Uh, Of course, you start by drafting from a possible pool of characters you could get so you don't have the complete choice but you have a fair choice about characters like the soldier the medic the scout the scientist now now i'm uh, i was about to say the prisoner but this is from one expansion so uh, you just have plenty of characters with special abilities and a custom deck of special action cards and some gear that only they have and can use at least at start. You are given two objectives and uh, you win if you complete one. Now, what what is, uh, uh, what is cool about this is that you are given two objectives. One is usually a kind of community objective, so something that you can do in full cooperation but it is kind a of bit of harder to reach and it could not be achieved at all in the very few rounds of the game. The other is a corporate uh, objective which which usually means doing harm to one of the other players, just one, and this is the cool part. Uh, Now, you start and you could decide to pursue any of these two, but when you have the first encounter with uh, uh, an intruder you are forced to discard one of the objectives. So basically you awaken, you start to understand what's happening and what's going on, and at some point someone encounters an alien and uh, when they do you are forced to discard one objective and pursue just one of these, which will be your victory condition. Now, what does this mean? This means that uh, in a decent player count I'd say four players for example uh, you know that you can trust most of the people except possibly one which could uh, who could need to kill you so uh, you can reasonably expect to cooperate and the game is is hard so you need to cooperate to have a chance at achieving your objective and uh, for the rest you have to watch out because uh, at any moment uh, the the scientist for example could lock you in uh, inside uh, inside the chamber with the queen so um, so uh, that's uh, uh, th- that's basically uh, the the fascination of the game uh, you have a goal the goal is secret and uh, you are basically cooperating but at some point the, the, the backstart the betrayal is uh, is around the corner. Uh, the gameplay is uh, reasonably quickly in every turn because you, you are dealt basically end of five cards. Uh, uh, the more you go on with the game uh, the more your deck gets polluted with contamination cards which you cannot use and uh, you can perform a selection of actions like move around uh, activate uh, stuff in the in the room you are in and uh, and uh, fight intruders and something like that uh, but uh, you have to discard cards to do that you can also use the actions of the card which are the action for your uh, for your character And uh, after that, you uh, there's a player phase, and then you move the uh, the intruders. Okay, and uh, basically you have a succession of uh, these turns until you uh, either everyone dies, which could happen or you uh, or all your players decide to go back to cryo chambers because their objective is kind of completed and uh, uh, or uh, everyone has espe- escaped by the escape pods or the ship self destroyed or something like that now uh, since uh, talking about this game is uh, this game has a lot of opportunities i think that uh, we can give examples of how this narrative is good so uh, i think everyone played this game so uh, i think we can share stories about it
2: no i didn't play it
1: <laughs> i really like uh, nemesis 2 uh, ip infringing aspect aside, i feel like the base game has more than enough content um, but if there's one expansion that i would wholeheartedly recommend it would be the script book, I think that's the name, uh, which adds a sort of campaign layer to the game, which with specific objectives and a comic book that illustrates certain events. So you play the game normally, but some of the in-game events are scripted and affect the following games. Uh, it's a lot of fun and adds some structure to the game.
3: That is exactly yeah. that, that is exactly the one expansion I would recommend.
0: It's the one, that, one of the ones that's hardest to get as well.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I have it. It's actually fun, and it makes playing solo uh, a thing. So uh, I'll start with the story. Then uh, this game is uh, is really really cool because uh, it can happen everything. Uh, once I I got the scientist and uh, I I got the the objective the goal. To uh, just have someone survive, then go to Earth. Uh, so I, I basically escorted the, escorted the mechanic around everywhere. I, I took care of everything. I opened doors. I closed the doors. I was extra caring with the mechanic, and it happened uh, when I escorted him. Uh, it seemed that the entire monsters were, uh, were uh, behind us because we, we, we were basically followed by everything and we we escaped barely for a lot of time and uh, at some point, since the soldier died somewhere else in the ship, uh, the escape pods opened so that the scout uh, went directly there and escaped through an escape pod. Now, since... It seemed that way uh, that we were uh, 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 hit by by a string of bad luck. Uh, I just uh, ran away and left the mechanic there with closed doors to die. And I took an escape pod, and uh, (laughs) I I fulfilled my objective. But the fun part was that when the mechanic horribly, horribly, horribly died, I I found out that he, he was out to kill me. And return to Earth. So basically, uh, everything was happening because he was making noise, choosing the wrong rooms, and doing stuff, um, attempting to repair. But uh, he he actually was trying to kill me. So this is the kind of narrative you get for this game from this game.
2: You predicted a traitor.
3: <laughs> yeah, basically, I, I tried to, to help the traitor kill me. <laughs> Oh, uh, another th- another time I exited uh, right out of the cryo chambers uh, went directly into the uh, the intruder nest and spawned the queen and I got killed uh, like immediately
2: well that's called facing the consequences of your actions I think
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course uh, th- this is actually uh, highlights something of the downside of this game but if if you if you people have stories uh, I'll keep the downside for later because I still want to get my Tented great pledge, so I won't talk about
0: it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't had a chance to play this as much as I would like. It kind of... Uh, I couldn't manage to get to the lockdown Kickstarter in time. It, it sort of drifted by me. I own, basic, I own the base game of the Board Game Geek um, promos. Um, and that's more or less it. I will say... As this is always important to note, the insert is incredible. Sometimes uh. Awaken Realms don't do the best inserts, but the one for Nemesis is, like, really good. The only
3: problem is that it's full plastic.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know, but I, I've said before, if you're going to make a fully plastic one, it needs to be really good or don't bother. And they either you know, this isn't something you're going to throw out. I I looked at it and I went, you know what? I don't need a third party insert. I don't need a wood one or a a cardboard one or whatever. It's this is this is it. And um, it does, yeah. Or or in my case, a few extra promo cards. But uh, yeah, I uh, I'm a little disappointed about missing on the lockdown because uh, they, they 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 got the um they they got the Carnomorphs, or, or the Necromorphs, basically.
1: They are very much um, non-IP infringing death place monster.
0: Yes, yes they are. Um, I, I want to say uh, most of my experience playing this game has been three-player, and it's one of the more impressive traitor-based three-player games I've played. Um, I'm hoping to play Mantis Falls, which... Uh, eventually might um also join that illustrious list but i it's because you don't know for sure if there is going to be someone who's looking to betray everyone uh so it keeps the tension going whereas normally once you know who a traitor is within a given game it kind of collapses down onto sides uh and here it it never really does you're not quite sure um, you don't know. You got to kind of cooperate, but you 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 could be signing your own demise when you do. I think that's
3: fantastic. Uh, great bit of tension. That's the smartest part of the game. You you uh, even if you can be a traitor, you are never complete traitor. So you can still trust other other players. And also the game is so hard that. Uh, often uh, nobody wins, so you have to cooperate, otherwise uh, nobody will win. And uh, when you're cooperating, you are just never completely sure that you can trust your ally. Mm. I, um, I
0: really, really love the infected scanning mechanic which is a great physical kind of piece added to the game. Just that you, you get these um, contamination cards and then you have to go to a place to get them scanned and you put them into like a little red filter thing that will reveal if you are infected or not. It's just fantastic. Or you can just gamble and and take the risk and then discover you're infected at the end of the game and be
3: like, oh dear. Yeah, of course. The, the end of the game is actually pretty pretty busy because you have to check for engines, you have to check for infection, you have to check for coordinates, you have a lot of checks. And the, the infection part is very cool because you actually uh, accumulate those cards because you get a few. I, I think I, I never ended the game without a couple of them. But uh, in the end, uh, you could just be infected. And in most cases, you would just lose with that. Not in objectives. Yeah,
0: they are. uh, It feels like they're also, through these expansions, the lockdown and everything, they're building a whole universe here, which is very
3: um, interesting. Yeah, uh, lockdown is the second Kickstarter, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, uh, that actually is. Uh, I don't know if it is a sh- if it is a shipped yet. No, no, no. Okay, be- because it was ranked uh, like sixty six six thousand on BGG. I said <laughs> it's very, it, it's very close to some of it being shipped.
0: Um, and then the rest is supposed to be September twenty twenty one.
3: Um, it um, it I'm, has I'm, uh, interesting concepts. There's uh, multi-level scenarios that, that that I want to see, uh, really. Yeah. And okay, if we want to talk a bit about the expansions, I will just shortly recap them. Uh, you have the comic book, which is a narrative addition, an to addition to the game, and it's cool because it uh, gives you a, a significant solo mode and there's a, a, sto- a branching story, which is a, a bit of kind of campaign mode. It is a small rulebook. It fits in the core box, even with the default insert, which is a good insert. And uh, it's my... Actually, it's my only recommendation of the Nemesis expansions because uh, uh, the other two big expansions uh, we which were optionals and the one uh, ended up being a kickstart reward... Um, they are Void Seeders, which are the free one, and uh, they, they are basically Psychicalian, uh, li- like kind of Prodos, but uh, not not them. And uh, like Space uh, spaceman Flayers or something like that. I'm keeping infra- infringing IPs, IPs so yeah. i stop here.
0: Alexis called them Cthulhu-esque, which is a fairly good description.
3: Yes. They add the Panic Mechanic, which is kind of smart but they had a bit too much variance and in this game it's it's not a good thing because this game has lots lots of randomness and so you end up uh, ditching them because the core game is more than enough. On the other hand there are the Carnomorphs which are kind of uh, intruders which evolve by eating uh, corpses and they get special powers. Uh, I don't have this uh, this, this one expansion. Uh, a common complaint about it is that it makes the game longer. And this is a thing you don't want because in three players a game rarely lasts less than three hours. So uh, it's actually a lot of game. I have played the nemesis for four, four hours and a half and uh, I have to say you don't want to prolong the game too much and this is why the last expansion which is uh, which is aftermath aftermath has super cool characters which have uh, interesting powers unique powers That's this and they are perfectly integrated in the core game but I have to say uh, you have the Pilog mod in which you uh, descend the nemesis if you manage to survive, and it adds uh, like one hour of game to the game when you completed the game. So it's actually uh, painful to go by that. So uh, characters are super, super cool and promoted, but the rest of the expansion is a bit meh.
0: Would you, you say there's the Catanaut model? The single best thing in that expansion?
3: there's the cat the first player model yeah
0: <laughs> space cat yeah they got four different space cats as well in the in the kickstarter there's a catamorph and another cat and and everything um to
1: counterbalance while i do agree that they make the game longer and that the base game has already a lot of content and a lot of fun to be had with it i do think that each of the expansion adds to the game and they are all fun. I don't think that there's an expansion that I would say is is not working with the game. If you really enjoy the game after buying the the first one and uh, the script book, I would recommend getting uh, Aftermath and then uh, the other two. Uh, I I think that they're both equally as fun.
3: Yeah, actually, probably my recommendation would be uh, you will be okay with, uh, with just the core game, you you will be okay forever. But if you love Nemesis, if you know you can make like uh, um, 20 games in a year of a, a Nemesis, just get an expansion because it, it, it will change your game enough to, to, to have it uh, always new and have something that you'll enjoy. You, you can find the stuff you'll enjoy because th- that's it with Awaken Realms. There's one single mechanical point in each expansion which is good and smart and cool. The, the, the real problem with expansions is that the rest of the expansion is not uh, exactly completely cooked like the single element which pitched did So, uh, actually, uh, now the, this is the part I, I, I beg uh, Awaken Realms to not listen to because I, I have to say a couple things uh, which could be issues for the potential buyer of Nemesis, which Aww. is... <laughs> no, 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 I never said that. So uh, the the first thing is this game works uh, on the high player counts. If you can play in 4 and in 5, you will probably have fun anyway. Uh, why is that? because uh, you need to have uh, uh, objectives uh, which force you to kind of cooperate because uh, when, the first pe- when the first person die, you unlock the escape pods. So uh, if you are playing two or three and you are just kill player two and escape, uh, you are probably done and the game is not fun for, for anyone. Uh, so you have a high player count to play even except uh, you are going with the comic book and the solo mode which is cool uh, and the game is very very long and uh, it gets longer with a, with the player count so uh, this is actually an unavoidable thing which is cool because the game is it creates a, a super good narrative i think this is the best uh, the best emergent nar- narration i ever got for for a game because uh, the the, the uh, quantity and quality of stuff which could happen and which could be justified by the story is uh, is enormous. I, I think uh, I, I, I didn't play all possible scenarios or combination of objectives even having ma- having done uh, more than 20 games. So uh, this is very repliable, very interesting. You have to uh, tolerate to die on the first turn for the story because this is the thing that happens. I think I died the first turn at least uh, four games. so uh, so this is the thing that happens. Uh-huh. The, 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 first, the first player going out is, uh, becomes the intruder controller and they can decide the move, decide movement for the intruders. So uh, you make the game harder for the others because you, you will get a, a total bastard in, do, in being that. But uh, uh, the second player who dies, uh, well, that sucks. So uh, it's okay if you die 80% of the game in, but it's very, very unfun when you die first turn and it happens because there's a lot, because there's a lot of randomness and you end up uh, with a random selection of rooms, so you don't know where, where you are going and you could end up in the nest, for example, <laughs> and get locked in and die.
0: Well, that's the risk you play with any kind of game like this. You don't play uh, an alien or aliens-themed style game without understanding character death is going to happen. It's a shame they don't have a better. It's
2: intruders.
0: Alien style aliens like (laughs) a horror in space where character death is possible same like i think deep madness handles this a little better Has a lot of thematic similarities but if anyone dies it's game over however deep madness is a purely cooperative experience so that's a difference there is the kind of thing where maybe you just want to be like well we've got another game to play on the side that's shorter that um if you know once two people have died they can sit and play that that kind of thing
1: I think that it wouldn't have been too hard to get a, to give a separate uh, body of rules for a player to play as an intruder and when someone dies they get to have some actions and some uh, extra content to do as the um, the game master. I think that there
3: there could be some fun to be had there. If you okay. want to enjoy an emergent narrative, if you want to enjoy a story told across told by your actions and a, a, a cool traitor mechanic get it because this was the, the best that I think this is still the best I I don't uh, I don't think there's a, a traitor mechanic so developed uh, it uh, remember me the thing in a couple infection attack was 31 i mean in a couple of interactions but of course here you are completely inside the story you are risking your life and uh, the fact that you could that they could put you off because you are risking your life is actually what make the game what makes the game compelling so uh, if your uh, gaming group wants to enjoy a session when they create a compelling story this is the game for you
0: yeah alternatively if you want the theme and you want the experience but you want a purely cooperative game where also player elimination isn't necessarily the end because there are backup characters you could play gale force is um, a rendition of aliens miniatures are not as good but it is the original story um it is really difficult and you get to play um you get to play as all the classics from the movie but you control a full squad of like Eight marines, and if you suffer someone, the hero's dying, you get to step at one of the other grunts as a hero. So they have a bit more kind of that's an alternative there. Uh, it's probably talk about it at some point,
3: yeah. Yes, that, that's actually again to talk about, especially since uh, this is another downside of Nemesis. Uh, a little one if you want, but it could happen that after playing four hours, nobody wins,
0: Right, Well. I think that's all we have time for on Nemesis. Uh, we're going to stay up in the big black void with weird, weird, gribbly creatures. But instead of uh, being on board a ship, they're going to be on a planet having crash landed in the two player cooperative game far away designed by Alexander Gerbeck and uh, released on Kickstarter and later on in stores by cherry picked games. This, might be my pick for two player game of 2021 it's not perfect but nothing's come close to the joyous experience and how cozy this game is so you are both uh members of the federation alliance which is a horribly bureaucratic uh, organization they go out to map new planets on a shoestring budget people are expendable Uh, Ships are expendable, materials are expendable, we'll just chuck some more bodies out at the problem, is kind of their um, attitude towards you, so you're almost completely disposable. This game has one of the hardest mechanics, uh, I think, to get to grips with um, for a two-player game, in that... It's a hex based exploration game, very sandboxy, but you can only communicate with your partner when you're both on the same hex. So you have to group up, make your plans, uh, have a little hug, uh, because otherwise the astronauts will die from loneliness. They will. Um, and then go off your separate ways to carry on with, around with your plans. You can see what your partner is doing, but they're supposed to play their, their go in complete silence. Um, it is oh so there's a bunch of different missions i'll talk a little bit about the starting mission which is a simulation and that one's you're encouraged you can talk when playing that one because learn the rules you're gonna need to talk uh, effectively your ship crash lands as it always does and you're there in the crash site ships not working anymore most missions you have to fix it to get out of there, but for the, the simulation doesn't matter. You have got the job of deploying three radio masts in a triangle. That's going to involve exploring these hexes, which represent different biomes. Each time you reach a new biome, you're gonna roll a dice, you might find some resources, you might find some old like ruins or a natural kind of well front of um, well font of of resources or you might find one of the local denizens or even worse uh, a den they live in and um, this game has something like 40 or different creatures they're all represented by little tokens they are simultaneously the best and the weakest part of the game Um, the other interesting part of this mechanic is you've got like you can move you can build stuff you can gather stuff you can um, fight an animal you might domesticate the animal instead of fighting it maybe you know, have your own little pet, which you can ride or you can hug it so you don't feel so lonely. Um, loneliness is quite an issue in this game. Uh, it, it is. Yeah, basically um, these astronauts die if they starve, which um, they have to eat every five turns or if they end up loneliness, which also has a five turn counter on it. So typically you can only spend about four turns away from someone before regrouping in. Luckily, yeah, the, the astronauts could travel long distances on already explored maps so you can get back together quickly, but uh, it's it's still it's always sort of ticking away there. And it's nice the way the game has you plan, go apart, do your separate stuff, come back together, time for the next round of planning. Uh, right. What's I saying? Um, yeah, so. It's, it's a sandboxy, lots of different actions you can do, exploring, meeting new creatures, some of which are docile and friendly, some of which are quite opportunistic, some are territorial, uh, and they there's a ton of character put into this game. It's got a whole retro feel to it. It feels very 1960s, and I adore the obvious disdain that Mission Control has for you on the missions, like, you know, if you succeed... Great, but if you don't, well, whatever. You're disposable. Next, next crew. Shoot them at. Shoot them at the planet, and maybe they'll survive the impact. Uh, the, the I, like the problem with this game, and I think that this is the caveat, is. The creatures, as I said, sort of, they're the weakest portion. Now, they're all printed on chits, little cardboard chits and they've gone for this uh this aesthetic of like a xenobiologist's sketch um and so they're, they're this little like piece of paper with this line drawing on it it looks great on the card however on the chits it's exactly the same you have no identifying outline you have the very small like one centimeter by one centimeter slightly bigger than that chit and you will It's yeah and you've got you've got like 20 baggies of them or 30 40 baggies of these that you're trying to figure out which particular group you need to pull to have and the only identifiers that are really visible are the size which is the bottom left corner and whether they're wandering or a den monster some of them look kind of similar um and and so it's it's a problem and it becomes fiddly it's not insurmountable but i think they could have done better on the design interface like say like a, a a silhouette printed on each in the top right corner would have made it a lot easier to identify the other thing is some of the colors are a bit too similar uh, there's this hex symbol with a number in it, and the color on the hex tells you what kind of biomes the creature likes to live in. So if it's not in one of those, it might wander over to be there. If it is there, it might stay. Under normal light, which you know is slightly yellowish, you can't identify the blue or the green apart at all. So you're sort of sitting there, and some of the some of the hexes are split blue green to say this likes being in a blue or a green. Uh, a number of times I had to So the number of times I had to get like a pure white light out and flash it on a card to be like, ah, actually it goes here was uh, an issue. All of these are fixable. Like it's just design problems. The one thing that some people might have difficulty with is this game kind of asks you to role play the creatures. It gives you um, a description of what their behavior is. And how uh, how they like to, th- and it shows what kind of food they like, whether they're carnivorous, herbivorous, herbivorous, uh, omnivores, or scavengers, um, and it also tells you like how far they tend to roam, how far they can see, uh, and things like that. But it's not like an actual flowchart framework or a card telling you they're going to do this. So some people, if you're going to game the system, you can kind of like be, well, this creature, even though it's a carnivore, it's, it, you know, it's not going to attack me. It's going to attack these easy herbivores and constantly. So you have to, you almost have to give yourself a bit of the difficulty. And I think that could have been better. They could have programmed a better AI flowchart for figuring out how these go. Um, Like just simple stuff like what the targeting preferences for a carnivore have a little set of they will they will choose the astronauts first, then herbivores second. They will avoid other carnivores or whatever. That would have been nice. But I've played a load with games with AI. I've programmed AI for me. I just sat down and worked out a load of rules, effectively house ruling how I was going to handle the AI and the game just sings it's so like cozy is the only way to describe it it's such a relief when you've been out walking around and you get back into the same hex as as your partner you're playing with and you're just like finally we can talk finally you know (laughs) like that was horrible or look at me now i'm riding a a six-legged dinosaur you know it's um i i really was impressed with this game it it could be better i would call it like a seven to eight out of ten but for the game experience i adored it so i'm the person who's played this here so if you guys have any questions i'll do my best to answer them
3: actually uh i have one big question component count component count oh good luck
0: Good good luck. Uh, I can't even get the components to fit back in the box properly without the box bulging slightly. Uh, it's it's hundred like like there's loads of hex tiles. Um, there's loads and loads of different creatures. Uh, seven different missions, which have multiple different sub objectives. So you can replay a mission and not and and it can pan out entirely differently with you even doing different stuff during the mission and different objectives. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a lot of components.
1: I think that I read that the playtime is around two hours long. Um, is that right? How does that match what you've experienced?
0: It depends on the mission. Um, the starting like learning mission, you could probably have done within 30 minutes um the longer missions if they're more complex could run up to two to three hours maybe a part of that is a bit out of your control because you move into hexes while exploring you have to roll a dice to see what's located in that hex if you're looking for a specific resource you need to find the right hex and then have that resource spawn on the hex so you can be in a situation where you're looking for a long time to find something that's useful and having to scavenge food along the way as which can cause things to drag a bit there's not a mechanic to help you get to your objectives if they're not there they're not there it's a bit 1980s 1990s in game design on that front
3: i'm uh, reading the publisher's description it is (laughs) it is actually full of irony i I love it
0: yeah yeah they, they, they do a whole little training video thing and uh even In the missions, the text on them telling, describing about like successes and failures and everything, you can get the mission control just kind of really doesn't quite like you, doesn't really care about what you're up to. Just like, I didn't expect you to succeed, but well well done, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's kind of just a joy I like it. sometimes the game chucks you in a horrible situation you land and there's a bunch of dens of carnivores nearby and you just run to the hills to get away from it thinking please don't attack our lander <laughs> you know give us a break because um, if the lander gets trashed you will lose because you can't get home but other times you're just wandering around like you know looking at a herb of big big cute cuddly herbivores you know and they they're just they're just like hanging out with them or um maybe they like being on their own so when you move into a hex it kind of the creature just kind of waddles away to a nearby location and sort of stares at you judging and that's it's got so much emergent story and and life to it it's it's quite brilliant really but as i uh, as i mentioned it is very much down to how the much the players bring to the way the creatures behave if you're going to metagame min max this kind of thing uh you could easily be like well i'm going to stand in these bunch of herbivores then in comes the carnivore it's going to attack one of the herbivores why would it attack me i'm dangerous and you could be in no danger for the whole game and that's it's not really in the spirit i think um yeah it's uh uh, i I, it just makes me happy
3: yeah uh, so sit back enjoy your game basically
0: yeah sit back enjoy your game have fun with the missions um, and the, the visions are very varied. There's a lot of different things you're doing, which is like it's enjoyable. A lot of different buildings to construct. Sometimes you're just like, doing scientific research. I think on one of them, you're um, penning in some animals, like for to build a little zoo or something. It's um, sweet.
3: Yeah, and the good part about it is, uh, it looks like you can get it for about $40.
0: Mm, yeah, it's not expensive, but where you get a lot of components and product, and the the quality of them is really good. Like nice, high glossy chits, very thick, solid cards. I have I didn't feel any need to sleeve anything. It's great. Yeah, well, that is my current front runner for two player game of the year. There's a while to go, you know. It could get usurped. Um, it's as I say, it's not perfect, but I don't think uh, I've had such a fun experience outside of playing Sleeping Gods.
3: So game of the year so far.
0: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm a bit sad there isn't like a online um, copy somewhere that I, I couldn't find one anyway for people to have a go playing, and it seems to be out of stock at the um, at the shop. But you might be able to pick up one somewhere, and so it's not an expensive game, um, and I, it doesn't play as well solo. Um, definitely a big part of the enjoyment is this forced rule of not talking when you're not in the same hex, because it, it it sort of adds a little bit more randomness, because you, you might be like, oh, if I just deviate off the original plan a little bit, I can just go and do this. But that may throw everything off for the other person who suddenly looks and sees you step a hex or two away from where you agreed to go and be like, what are you doing? And all you can see is the look on their face
2: makes me think a bit of another uh, game that i tried recently it's a two-player game uh it's the Walk of the crab and you you can't really talk you have to communicate with things at that moment and you you have this oh no he's doing that moment but it happens in many other games anyway
0: yeah it's always fun when a game put uh, puts in an additional constraint on the players that normally you take for granted Uh, and this one i think as well is it helps stop quarterbacking um, because while you can be together and one person is driving all the plans, once you're off on your own, you know, you're you're on your own and they're not, they're not supposed to say anything even if you'd go like, well that's nice but I'm going to go I, I'm going to go like wrestle with this animal and try and domesticate it for a bit because uh, I want a pet, that might be what I like doing maybe you've only got a one in six chance of domesticating an animal and half the time it attacks you but uh, it's worth it, you know riding rules are such fun
3: so you you don't play the animal but you can domesticate by mechanics not just because you decide it's domesticated
0: no no you will uh, will, basically whenever a creature attacks you you have to roll some dice to see how the combat goes typically you'll get hungry because your suit is very well designed to protect you but it burns up your reserves sometimes you get wounded which is a disaster because you get a wound card two wound cards you're dead Always. One wound card usually cripples you with some crazy downside that you have to deal with for the rest of the mission. And then one in six times the the creature just goes, oh, actually, uh, you know, we're um, we're going to be buddies now.
3: <laughs> OK, that's cool.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And say so if they're bigger than you, you can ride them. If not, you can um have them with you and effectively control them as if they're following commands, send them off to collect things for you or fight things. It's uh, it's pretty neat when it happens, but it doesn't happen often. Okay, well, I think that's pretty much time for us. Um, and that's uh, so all we have time for this episode. You can catch us over at www.patreon.com forward slash or as thelaststandee on Twitter. And Until next time, we've been the last standee. So goodbye from Alexis. From Belgium. Goodbye. Goodbye from Alessio. Goodbye from Italy. Goodbye from Audrey.
2: Bye-bye from France.
0: Absentee from David. And goodbye from myself. And remember that the second E in Standy is for eggs. All three games have eggs in them.